Well, good morning, everybody. My name is David McMinn, and uh, Pastor Jim has so graciously invited me to preach this morning while he is out of town. It's, it's so good to be here and to be with you this morning. Now, Karen Calendar uh, on the chat, so we also have all the people who are joining with us on the live stream on Facebook. Uh, she did give me a great compliment that I'm too nice to have a mean, a mean Grinch voice, but the reality is, and Michelle will tell you this, that I am actually a big Christmas Grinch. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, I know, I know. You wouldn't think it, but I am. Uh, but one thing about Christmas, there's several things I don't like about Christmas, but one thing I don't like about Christmas, I actually really do enjoy Christmas and the Christmas season. I just don't enjoy all the other things that we do, you know, the, the lights and the, mainly because I don't want to have to climb on a house, put lights on, on the house and maybe fall off. But I do enjoy Christmas. But one thing I don't love about Christmas is the surprises, Right? I'm a person who does not like to be surprised. But the interesting thing is, I married into a family that loves surprises. Surprise visits, surprise parties, surprise presents. And I think the problem is that I just don't understand how I'm supposed to react when someone surprises me. And so I try to overthink it. Like, oh, is my f- what face am I supposed to have? Am I supposed to be happy? Am I supposed to be scared? And so I don't really like surprises because I don't like giving up control. In fact, it's, it's such a bad problem in our house that this is the second time we have done this, that they number the presents uh, so no one knows which present belongs to which person because they know that I will go and I'll shake the present and I'll figure out what, presents, what the present is long before I open it. But, but the surprise is all in our house. But yes, I do not like giving up control. Is there any other people who struggle with giving up control in the house online? Yes, there's a lot of us. Um, and in our story today with the, the Grinch, right, I think he also is the type of person who doesn't like giving up control. He doesn't like Christmas because all those things, is, it doesn't involve him, and, and he can't control the people around him. He can't control the noise and their happiness and their joy. And even when he is given this unexpected visit by Cindy Lou Who, which should have changed his heart, right? How can you possibly steal Christmas, even myself, as a self-avowed Grinch, if a little kid came up to me and I was still in their Christmas tree, I think I might change my plans, right? And yet he doesn't. He, in fact, lies to her, convinces her that he's Santa Claus, and that he's going to fix the Christmas tree. I think too often, when we think about the unexpected su- surprise of Jesus coming into our life, we don't want to give up control. We don't want to let go of our lives because we have our plans figured out. We have our life figured out. We have have we want to live figured out. And just like the Grinch, we struggle with giving up control to that unexpected visitor. There's another character in our story today, King Herod, and he too struggles with the surprise of Jesus coming into the world. And he doesn't really respond very well. In fact, makes plans to, to thwart Jesus is coming in and Jesus becoming the king or the Messiah. And it's really interesting when you compare his response to that of the Magi, right, or the wise men of the kings. Now, we don't know if there were three of them or 20 of them or if they were wise men or they were king or they were Magi. We just know they were from the east and they came to visit Jesus and they brought gifts. But think about what they did. They came, they noticed that something was going on. They came from a far land. They brought gifts and they worshiped the baby Jesus. They give up control, and they allowed God to surprise them and to change their life. 
and it changed the whole trajectory of everything that they had planned. And so as we talk about this today and we read the scripture, I want you to to really reflect. Are you in the Herod camp where you have a hard time giving up control at this unexpected visitor of Jesus that we celebrate year in and year out at, at this time of year? Or are you willing to be in the Magi camp? And allow the story to captivate you, allow the story to change you, allow the story to move your heart and see what God is wanting to do in and through you in a new way this Christmas season. Our scripture comes from the Gospel of Matthew, starting with with chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of, of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, you are by no means the least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd, who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which they see in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When, the star, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And then, opening their treasures, presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country in another way. And then jumping up to verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged, and he sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem. And its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. So the story is of these Magi. We don't really know who, like I said, we don't know who they are. Uh, they were probably astrologers, and they they watched the stars for big signs. Because in the back then, people thought that when big events were happening on the earth, they reflect in the heavens, or vice versa. When you saw big events in the heavens, they were reflecting on the earth. The the phrase is, as above, so below. And so they, they witnessed something in the sky, and for whatever reason, they left everything. We don't really know where they were from. Some people have said they were Persians from the Parthian Empire. Some have postulated that possibly from India. Others have said Arabia. And others have said even precursors of the Mongols from far, far east, north of China. We don't know. And yet they came. And not only did they came, and, and this was not a small journey, from wherever they came, because it's not like today. Yes, these people were probably very wealthy, but it's not like today where you can just jump in a plane and, and go somewhere and you're there. It was a, been a very difficult and dangerous journey, and yet for some reason they knew it was worth it. And these magi didn't just show up, but they also brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. These are kingly gifts. Obviously, gold is valued highly valued, but frankincense and myrrh are things that you would present to a king to show that you are thankful and that you are praising that this king has been born, right? And so the Magi show up, and then Herod enters the picture. Now, King Herod was Jewish, but he was kind of from a separate group of people, 
and he had been put in place as the king of, of, of Judea by the Romans because he had a very great connection with the Romans. And he kind of thought of himself as a self-styled Messiah, if you will. Messiah kind of means king anyways. And so he had done his part in rebuilding the temple. He had set himself up as this great leader and this great king. And so, of course, he's disturbed when he hears news that this child is coming, the promised one, the Messiah. But you know, Herod had a choice he could have made. He knew this was the Messiah. The scripture is very clear in verse 5 that Herod gathered the people and they knew this was the Messiah. There was no doubt in their minds. This wasn't something that he didn't really know who the baby was, but he wanted to prevent it. The scholars, the star, everything pointed to this child who had been born in Bethlehem as the promised Messiah. Now, this is the one the Jewish people have been waiting for for generations, right? To finally free them from all the oppression, all the people who had hurt them that would lead them to a new promised land. And yet, knowing who this person was, he could not let go of control. When the unexpected visitor of Jesus, when the unexpected visitor of the Messiah had come, he could not change. He could not get past his own power, his own prestige, and his own authority. And his opportunity to be a part of the story in a positive way, instead, he responded in a very evil way. And so my question for us this morning is, how are we going to respond to the Christmas story again this year? There's a reason we repeat it every single year, because it is so incredibly important to our lives because we can never forget. We can never forget the gift of Jesus in our life. The beautiful story that, that God's chosen way to save us was by literally becoming human and being one of us. That God sent his one and only son into the world so that whoever believes in him might have life and life eternal. This is God's chosen method to save you. And this is why we celebrate it every year because it should blow our minds every single year because there's nothing like it, nothing like it in any other religion, nothing like it in any other belief, that the God, the most powerful being in all the universe, become humble as a child and become one of us. And so it should be an unexpected surprise. And so we have a choice to make. How are we going to respond? If we struggle letting up control, uh, giving up control of our life, then we're going to struggle making room for Jesus in our life. You know, I, we talk a lot about that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, but when I ask people what that means to them, they'll say, oh, Jesus died so I can go to heaven. And yes, that's exactly true. Jesus died so we go to heaven. But that's the Savior part. For Jesus to be Lord of your life, that means you have to give up control of your life to God. And I think this is the number one thing we humans struggle with. It's literally why we started the whole process of sin and allowed into the world. We wanted control. We didn't want to give God control of our life. We thought we could do it better, right? I have been on journeys with, with people, spiritual journeys, who are interested in Christianity, and you pour into them and you teach them about Jesus, and you read scripture together, and you pray together, and you think they're on this precipice of saying yes to God, and then all of a sudden they just sort of disappear. And it's because I think they get to that moment where they realize that this commitment 
is more than just saying yes to the grace of God. Of course, that's the most important thing, right? Is that by saying yes, we're, we're, we're saved. Yes, we're made part of the family of God. But it also requires something of us. And that's giving up control. And some people just can't do it. And so they walk away from the most beautiful gift they could ever possibly receive. And I found a lot of people in their relationship with God get stagnant, myself included. I've struggled with my faith. I don't know about you guys, but over the last year and a half, all the things that have gone on in my personal life, all the things with the pandemic, I've struggled. I've struggled to have a, a close and powerful and loving relationship with God. And it's not because God has become distant. It's because I've become distant, right? And we get stagnant. And I think it's because of the same reason, because we don't want to give up control. We don't want to let go. Say, God, I can't understand the past 18 months. I can't understand the suffering in my life and the suffering in everyone else's life. But I can't give up control. I can't give it to you. Are you struggling with a Herod choice? You're struggling giving up control and you're missing Jesus. I want to invite you to think about the Magi. Think about what they did. When they saw that star in the sky, they dropped everything. They noticed, first of all, the first thing they did is they noticed that something special was happening. They could see that God was active in their world. And then they, they dropped everything and they went on a journey, a probably a long journey. Whatever country it was, it wasn't close. A long and hard journey to Bethlehem to see the king. And when, when they got there, they gave their gifts to that baby Jesus, and they worshiped him. They noticed that God was acting in their world. They gave their gifts, and they worshiped the baby Jesus. And I think that's what we, when we are willing to give up control, when we give our lives to God, we're really willing to say, God, you're the Lord of my life. That's what we can do also. So I want to invite you to notice God working in your life or in the world around you. Some of the most amazing experiences I've had is when I'm just open to the Holy Spirit moving me in one direction or another. I'll be at the grocery store and end up having a conversation with someone who just needed me there. Or God will put someone on my mind and, and I'll just text them and all of a sudden that person needed someone to talk to. I remember back when I was, had graduated from college and uh, I showed up at, a, at our track just to practice doing some running and a friend who had questions about God just happened to be there. When we're willing to open our eyes and notice God in the world around us, then amazing things happen. We have to be willing to see God in the ordinary, because then you will see the extraordinary. You have to see God in the ordinary, because then you will see the extraordinary. And the second thing is we have to be willing to share our gifts with God. Now, I don't know about anybody that has a lot of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Maybe you do. And maybe that's what Jesus wants. I don't know. But I think what Jesus really wants are the gifts that Jesus has given to you, given back to God. Now, I have struggled in the pandemic. This is another area that I've struggled, getting back into volunteering. I don't know if it's about like you had all that time in your home and it's just hard to get out and get back to your life the way it was, but I used to volunteer every single week and I just haven't gotten back to that. And I've noticed the, that missing in my life. I've noticed the absence of that. 
of me not living out where God is calling me to live. And so I think as we start to wake up and, and move forward with life and move through with all the wonderful gifts that we've been given to, to not get sick from the, the coronavirus, that God wants us to think about what are the gifts that we have been given that we're called to share with the world around us. And it could be a gift of music, or it could be a gift of service, it could be a gift of administration, it could be a gift of sharing the good news with people, it could be a gift of showing up, it could be going to your neighbor who you know is having a hard time and just checking in on them. Each of us have been given gifts. And just like the, the Magi shared their gifts with Jesus, God wants us to share our gifts with the church and with the community around us. And the third thing I think that we are called to do today is that we are called to worship Jesus. Because when that unexpected visitor came into their life and the Magi showed up, they knelt and they worshiped Jesus. I think that sometimes worship can become ordinary, right? Because we do it all the time. But it's not ordinary. It's actually something that's incredibly extraordinary. Because once again, what we believe is happening in this place in this moment when we gather together and we worship God together is that Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is literally present with us. And that isn't ordinary. And that is extraordinary. And so sometimes we come to worship out of some sort of obligation or out of some sort of desire to, to see our friends or our family or, or whatever reason. And I think what I have learned over the past 18 months is that what we get to do together in this place is precious. And you never know how valuable it is until you lose it. And so I think the story is asking us to come to Jesus this season, the season of Advent, and to worship Christ in spirit and truth. One of my friends who is a pastor I saw this on Facebook, and his name is Marcus Womack, and I just, I just wanted to share it with you. It says that Advent is a time for new things to occur. The world doesn't have to be the same as it was. We don't have to be the same as we were. It's a foreshadowing of all we can let die so that new life can thrive. And it is an invitation to imagine new, a new, more whole way to be together if we want it. It's an invitation to imagine a new, more whole way to be together if we want it. I think what astounds me about the Magi is their gift was so sacrificial. There's actually a great story called The Gift of the Magi from around 1900. And the, the story is that a, a young woman had this beautiful head of hair. And it was Christmas time, but they didn't have a whole lot of money. And she wanted to get the perfect present for her husband. And even though her hair was her glory, she thought the one way that she could get money was by cutting off her hair and selling it so she could buy this perfect present for her husband, her husband who had a pocket watch. And so she just knew like there's this, there's this platinum chain that would be perfect to go with the, po the pocket watch. And so she sacrificed what was valuable and important to her, her own hair, to buy her husband the perfect chain for, her, for his pocket watch. But then when her husband got home, he got in the door and he saw her with her short hair and, and he was kind of taken back. And at first she thought he was upset because he, she had cut her hair, but the reality was that he too had gotten her a gift and that he had gotten her these special combs that she knew she wanted for her beautiful hair. 
And then, he, then she got excited and said, well, look at the gift that I got you. And it was this chain. And he sat on the couch and he laughed and he said, I sold my pocket watch to buy you these combs. They both gave what was most important to them because they loved the other person. They gave sacrificially because they loved the person they were with. God gave sacrificially by sending his son, Jesus, into this world. Gave everything. Jesus gave everything so that we might have life. The Magi gave so much so they could give their gifts and worship Jesus. We have a choice this Advent, this Christmas. What is going to be our response to this unexpected visitor of Jesus coming into our lives one more time? Are we going to ignore it because we can't give up control? Are we going to give our gifts and our time and our energy to worship the newborn King? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.